Welcome to Things to Know. I'm Luca, and on this show, we talk to the people who make the Thingdoms special. Today, we're talking to none other than community icon, sneaker painter, and croc giblet maker, your fave White Max. I hope you enjoyed this interview, but more importantly, I hope you learned something. Thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? Hey, Ms. Uh, you guys know me as your fave white Mexican, but my name is Pablo, Pablo Sandoval. Um, you know, uh, my love started with graphic designing, bro. That's how, that's how I got into this. I've been graphic designing. I'm 32 years old. Um, I got into graphic designing when I was about 14. Um, it's been a long dream that I've been wanting to do. Uh, I, I had my first brand when I was eight years old. Yeah, so my first brand was uh, I had a eight years old. It was just like basic little little, uh, just you know, just your basic little doodles. You know, like little whatever doodles I would sell to my family members. They would you know give me that. Oh, that's cool. Keep doing it. And I you know you know that family love they everybody gives you and stuff like that. So you know, um, and then I put it on the back burner. I was just like whatever. I you know just being a kid and playing soccer and all that fun stuff. And then. Um, I don't know, man. One day I was just chilling in uh, like eighth grade, ninth grade, and uh, I started making t-shirts again. And um, once I started making t-shirts, it, it was like a feeling that I wasn't working. You know, uh, like it was just something I just loved doing. The reason why I say that is because I've been working since I was like, had a job since I was about like 12 years old, you know, because my, my family's got a business. So I was either mowing lawns with my moms and pops or working at the restaurant. So it was either, you know, that or, so when I actually found something that like, you know, gave me a creative drive, I was like, yep, this is it. This is it. So, uh, you know, I got into doing graphic designing. Um, and then, uh, there was this whole thing called the MySpace, man. MySpace came around and I started doing, um, you know, flyer parties. So back then they used to be around that time. So MySpace days used to be flyer parties where, you know, people would uh, go on Photoshop, make these flyers and post it on MySpace and say, there's an address come to this party it's about two dollars you know get into the party and i would you know make flyers for these parties for these fire parties and uh yeah it just you know my space went into one thing and next you know we're on facebook and i start networking with other people and um i ended up getting a job for a brand called the originators and originators was actually a hip-hop brand that was right off of melrose in downtown la and they um they did clothing line collabs with like your old school hip hop. So like KRS-One, you know what I'm talking about? So like that early, that early hip hop section right there. So they were always doing collabs and stuff like that. So I was able to get my foot in the door from there and, you know, just network with all these old school hip hop heads. And it worked at a time, but like technology was kind of shifting over to Web 2 at the time. You know, so like all these people that I were networking, they were like on the web one thing and it wasn't like transitioning over web two. And then once Instagram came in, that was like a whole new, like, yeah, once like, yeah, Instagram came by and everything like networking was like blowing up the door. Like it was, I was designing for the Clippers, like where you go into the Clippers and like they give you the t-shirts that you get at the door for free, like the free merch. I was doing those designs. Um, I was doing a couple stuff. Like I, I messed around with a couple of, uh, Fairfax brands, you know, I did some, uh, some sample drops and all that stuff like that. I'm literally was on the cusp of the door of like actually living my dream. And, um, 
uh, one day, dude, I got invited to a 4th of July party. I was at this 4th of July party. And, um, you know what? One thing led to another. I got into an altercation and I got to a fight. And, uh, well, I had to pay the time for it. You know, I had to go away and I, unfortunately, I had to go to prison for it. You know, so uh, my first offer was 20 years. And I, yeah, I thought, I thought my life was over. I thought it was over. It was a wrap. Um, you know, uh, they broke it down at about 10 years. I signed a deal for about four years. Um, I was in there. Uh, I honestly thought my, my life was over. I thought my dream was done. Graphic designing was over. I thought I was going to be another uh, statistic when I got home, you know, be, a you know, in construction, do, um, you know, one of those uh, trade jobs. There's nothing wrong with those trade jobs is that I just know me personally. And I was like, man, I, my life's done done it's i'm gonna gonna be sad for the rest of my life i'm not gonna go anywhere there's nothing i can do and um you know i i ended up uh i was i was in a very dark place in my life and uh i don't know one day i just started thinking about my kids and myself and i I enrolled myself in a community college um i'm about uh, 10 units away from my business degree uh i got a degree i uh, certified microsoft specialist yeah man so you know i, I don't let these things that have happened in my past just define me you know i you know i was in this little rut and stuff like that but i got home after that i paroled like maybe about two years ago i, I paroled right when that whole crypto like when robin hood was like you know everybody was doing their own like shorts on game stock and all that stuff so i was like you know what let me let me see what i can do because you know i'm I'm not going to get hired in corporate America anymore. So I was like, how, what can I do to think outside the box so I can still live the lifestyle that I want to live without being a statistic or anything like that? So I was like, man, how can I do this? How can I get back on top? And uh, yeah, you know, what got me into crypto was good old Dogecoin, man. Dogecoin is a started off, man. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to lie. I, I want to dive into, there are so many things that I want to dive into that, but I want to go all the way back into like the very early days of you're a young kid, you're thinking about clothing design, like very clearly that was a part of your world. What made it originally appealing? You said it didn't feel like work. It was something you were drawing to, but like what really was the thing that was like, that makes it cool to me? skate of skate culture at the time i was like super into skateboarding i mean like like blind dark star uh dgk before dgk was on there i'm talking about terry kennedy days dgk days um like yeah dude like i'm out here in the west coast i'm in california Mm -hmm. so street skating was like huge i'm out here in lancaster so i don't know if you heard of a a skate shop called pharmacy board shop or like one of the biggest board shops on the west coast they actually started out here in lancaster so like yeah, so out here in Lancaster, I'm from, like, skating is huge, man. Like, we're literally in the middle of the desert. Like, all the westerns that you see filmed, like, I'm right here. The Joshua Trees, that's where I'm at. So it's like, what are we going to do? You know, so we just go skateboard. And, man, that's what started off was the whole skate culture. Like, you know, like I said, blind. I'm a, I was huge, huge. Chad Muska, man. I was a huge Chad Muska fan growing up. Like, man, that guy, that guy, to me, um, defined where it was, like, cool to, like, go to like punk shows but still listen to hip-hop at the same time you know what i'm saying like at the time like skating was like straight punk like you either went to punk shows Mm -hmm. you didn't mess with the hip-hop culture dgk came in you know chad muska all this thing they were they intertwined both communities and stuff like that next you know you got like the whole big like you wouldn't have supreme without those brands yeah that's that's where the evolution came from 
is like that, yeah. that bringing together like the misfits, if you will, um, that kind oh, of yeah. making streetwear. That's that's really yeah. cool. Bro, but yeah, that's what that's what started off like my whole like um, you know dive into fashion. You know, I always wanted to be different. You know, uh, mm-hmm. not only that too, but like my dad was like one of those old school like you know he hopped over the border from Mexico like hardcore Catholic. So like it was like you know what I mean. You could was only able to express yourself because we were not only like poor, but also too like my dad was like hardcore religious. So it's like. Mm-hmm. There's only a certain, you know what I mean? And then yeah. that whole skateboarding thing opened up that door where I was like, literally there was a brand called Hookups. Like, I don't know if you remember Hookups, where it was literally like pretty much anime hentai on skateboards, bro. Like, and people were rocking those. And I like, I'm like, yeah, I got to give me a t-shirt. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. they had full, like, expression on skateboards, mm-hmm. t-shirts. And like, that's what really drove me to the whole skate community was like being able to, um, you know, express yourself and like if someone made fun of you like well i'm gonna go do a kickflip somewhere else bro see you later yeah yeah i mean um i i used to live just outside of la um so i've been like melrose fairfax like i love that area um and the culture you're talking about with skate is like tied to that that area and those streets tell me a little bit about your experience with melrose and fairfax because i'm sure when i was there it's it was a little bit past your days, um, a little bit more commercialized, a little bit more developed. Yeah. So, oh man, uh, Fairfax and Melrose when I was there, man, that, it was cool. It was like a real um, moms and pops vibe, mm. you know, a real moms and pops vibe. You had, um, man, I, when I was on Fairfax, those are the days when people were camping out. You know, you had people camping out for um, Diamond Supply Co. You had people camping out for the hundreds. I mean, that's when Tiger had Last Kings. You had Pink Dolphin on Fairfax. That's when you had like Crooks and Castles. People were camping out. Like the street culture was mad. I'm not gonna lie, bro. I was one of those. I was camping yeah. out, <laughs> trying to get the drop. Like, bro, like the it was cool because like that was the time where like I remember camping out next to Translations. You know what I mean? And France yeah. now is like super huge in uh crypto super huge in nfts and that kind of like everybody it's kind of funny because everybody that i saw camping out and it's huge in the sneak community is now rolled over to nfts and rolled over to crypto because it goes hand in hand it's the same thing you know what i mean instead of camping out mm-hmm. from sneakers man i'd rather get on that wait list and get me a you know some nft that you know is equivalent to like look at uh what is it wrecked or um yeah artifact yeah. i think is how it's artifact yeah thank you yeah artifact thank you artifact yeah, art, yeah, Artifact's one of those, the sneaker one, you know what I mean? And, like, mm-hmm. if you see who's really in that community, it's all the big sneakerheads, bro. You know, it's all the big sneakerheads. So, it's uh, that's one thing I really like about NFTs is that, like, it rolls over and it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with streetwear. So, once the actual streetwear heads get a hold of NFTs and get the taste of it, it's going to be a whole different ballgame. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of the innovators, um, or maybe not even innovators, but, like, some of the central figures of that streetwear movement, you know, Bobby hundreds, some of those guys, they kind of notice that as well. Um, and they're, they're making really innovative plays, which I find really, really interesting. One last question before we jump fully into the crypto world and get your take on that and NFTs and thingdoms. Um, I want to hear a little bit about this path through community college, getting a business degree. Um, I read a book jump, uh, by Larry Miller, an executive at Nike who had a very similar path. 
um, ended up in prison younger in his life, um, ended up going to community college, leaving, and then he just ended up in corporate by like the magic of no one ever asking. Talk to me a little bit about what that process of, of going to prison and then education and, and how that all factored into your, your journey and what was it actually like? Man, education in the prison system, bro, um, it's there. The programs are there, but it's up to the person who wants to change. You know, it's uh, it's up to the person who wants to change at the end of the day. And, um, man, I, I was looking into my kids' eyes when they would come visit me and ask me when you can come home. And uh, I'll be 100% with you, man. I, I was looking at community college as um, early credits to get home. Mm-hmm. And then once I started diving into these classes and starting to, like, get, like, interested in these classes, and then I started seeing, like, oh, man, if I have a business degree, not only that, that I can show to my kids that, like, even though I messed up and I had a, you know, a blemish on my past, I didn't let that affect me. So I, I had, that was like one of the main goals was to make sure that I, I got that degree in there to, you know, show my kids, like, just because I had a little hiccup doesn't mean that, you know, it's, I'm going to let it define me. You know what I mean? Like, um, that's one thing I, I, I feel like a lot of people in this world do is that just because there's a little blemish in their past, they think that they can't do anything like, man, <sighs> I got to go balls to the wall, bro. I mean, there's nothing else I can do. So it's either you take it or leave it. Either you like me, you don't, you want to give me a job opportunity. I appreciate it. And if not, then, you know, I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, so, but, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty much like homeschooling with, yeah, school, the schooling system in prison is weird, man. It's like, it's, it's school. Yeah. They give you packets. You take these packets for a week, you go back and they actually have courses in the prison and they have these rooms. The professors come up and stuff like that. Yeah, man. It's, um, I don't know how to explain it, man. It's just, it's, it's, you want to educate yourself on your mindset, but then at the same time, you got to keep on your toes with what's going on around in your environment. So it's just like, yeah, your senses are on going crazy because you're trying to like, I'm trying to learn like the, like, you know, one of the classes I took was history of Mexico. You know what I mean? So one of the things is I was trying to digest the information of the history of Mexico for my exam. And while that's doing, I had to make sure that there wasn't a prison rhyme going over my shoulder at the same time. So, you know, it's um, two different worlds. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's, it, it, it yeah, that's one thing that I was trying to explain to people and they were like, because in that whole college thing, you're thrown in with the same type of people that are trying to better themselves and, you know, make a better, you know, do better of their time. And then after school's done, you go back into this whole realm of like, all right, man, like if something pops off, it's, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. it's. it's yeah. yeah, it, it would be really, really difficult to like live with those two realities. Um, and constantly yeah. trying to balance it, like you're saying. Yeah. So that that's yeah. fascinating that, um, like, it, once you say it, it's obvious. And you're like, oh, that kind of makes sense. But it, without having lived through that, you probably would never have really thought about that dynamic. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, in order for a person to change in there, they got to change. You know, the, the, you, but it's just hard because you can't, you're blending two different lifestyles together, which is, mm-hmm. oh, man, it's very difficult to do. Yeah. Yeah. So moving into crypto, you start to play around with crypto and uh, see that world a little bit. 
you say Dogecoin originally got you into it. Did you see it via Elon Musk tweets or like what was your your intro point? I was sitting on Twitter one day and I'm going around looking on Twitter and um, I saw Ethereum and I saw Bitcoin. And um, at the time, I wish I would have bought in at those price points, hindsight, but I was looking at those price points and I was like, you know what, that's not something that I can buy into because I wanted a whole coin of something, not you know a partial mm-hmm. of a coin. So I was like, what coins can I like look down and um, I came across uh, I came across uh, Dogecoin on Twitter, and I wrote to my brother, and I'm like, "Hey, bro, there's this there's this thing called Dogecoin cryptocurrency. Check it out." He's like, "Bro, you're late." I'm like, "What do you mean?" And he's like, "Yeah, I already have like 50 million Dogecoin, and he bought it at like point <laughs> zero 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 three or something like that." So I ended up buying like thirty dollars worth of Dogecoin when it was like. Oh man, six zeros in front of the actual digit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So I was like, so it's like right now, like right now, like I'm it's looking pretty nice. You know what I mean? But yeah. um, um, yeah. So I saw my return on that, and I was like, okay, what, what, what else can I play with? You know what I mean? But mind mm-hmm. you, this was some time that went by because we were all sitting on Dogecoin, and it was at this point zero, you know, six, four, five zeros in front of it before you know, it got to the one cent, you know, it was sitting there for like a year or something like that. And then it started moving up and I started buying stuff. Um, uh, I bought into Twitter stock cause I bought into AMC and I sold the AMC and then I bought GameStop and I just kept going back and forth between those two guys and playing the game. And, um, yeah, dude, like, you know, I honestly think crypto is here to stay. Crypto is here to stay. Crypto's not going anywhere. Um, I honestly think the more, without getting political in it, the more governments start adopting cryptocurrencies, the less it is to turn away. So once we start seeing all these places start to like, you know, there's all these Latin countries that are starting to accept, you know, cryptocurrency. And, um, you know, to be honest with you, I'm... I come from Latin, uh, you know, Latin background. I mean, look at my, my name is your favorite Mexican. I'm Mexican <laughs> stuff like that, dude. Um, bro, if, if Mexico started allowing cryptocurrency, you know how I know for a fact, just like I, other second generation Mexican Americans would be sending crypto back to their families in Mexico so they can live in a heartbeat. Yeah. You and know, the cost. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. The cost of living and stuff like that. Like I, <sighs> It's a two-sided coin on this whole market and stuff like that and this whole thing. Um, so I understand. So when people mint things and they go, oh, they sold it and they only netted 0.02 profit. And people are going like, oh, man, that's crazy. How can you only net 0.02? And at, I'm not going to lie. I was one of those people. And I started thinking, how can you do that? But what if those one of those people in one of those Latin American countries, one of those Middle Eastern countries, one of those countries that doesn't have – the availability to make money like we do and they just made 0.02 and that's going to feed their family for the next month and a half mm-hmm. yeah 400 bucks is a lot of money in a lot of countries <laughs> yes sir yeah. yes sir yes sir um, like arguably you know it's a I mean? lot in america but um yeah it's a lot of money and for it to be yeah. like in a system that governments can't touch theoretically um yes that's not being driven away by inflation 
Um, there's just lots of aspects to it. But yeah, I totally agree. It, it has a ton yeah, of use it, there. I mean, just for example, right now, the, the exchange rate alone right now between uh, pesos and dollar right now, $1 is 20 pesos right now. So if you break down $400 times 20, that's going to give you how many pesos you're going to get off of 0 0.02. Yeah. So, which is, like I said, that's, that's a lot of money. That's a yeah. lot of money for, you know, some of these people in these other countries that don't have the opportunity to make money as, you know, like we do. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, that's, that's part of the game. You know what I mean? So we, we need those because, um, unfortunately the way the world works is trickle down economics. You know what I mean? I'll be a hundred percent like, you know, whether you like it or not, that's how the world works. Because if I don't buy something from you, you're not going to have the money to go buy something from somebody else. And you know what I mean? They won't be able to go buy from somebody else. That's unfortunately how the world works. And, uh, that actually helps out in all those other countries because they, and then they have money to buy food from somebody else and their resources. And then it trickles down to their, you know, societies and stuff like that. So it's like, we need it. You know, even though yeah. we we talk down on it, oh man, who's undercutting the floor? Like we don't know what's really what's going on behind the doors, bro. Like, yeah. and I'm I'm not gonna lie, I used to be one of those people. I used to be like, quit undercutting the floor. Why are you doing this? And we're like, <laughs> nah, man. Like you never know, bro. That point oh two could save someone's life. So let's dive a little more specifically into into NFTs and and thingdoms. Um, how do you make the jump from Doge and and um, ethereum and, and stuff like that into the nft world or was it always there dude like man twitter <laughs> is my home for everything twitter is my home for everything <laughs> i find everything to, through twitter um i do not look at my news sources anymore if there's something that goes on in the world the first place i go to um is i is uh, i go straight to twitter you know what i mean i go straight to twitter and that's where i search up that's you know um yeah i was on twitter one day and um I came across Rare Ghost Club, which is an NFT project. Um, yeah, I came across Rare Ghost Club, and I'm like, man, what is this? What 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 is an NFT? And I clicked on it. I started, you know, doing more research, and I'm like, oh man, this is this is cool. What is this? Uh, from there, I found Subducks, and I'm like, yo, what is this? I I I, I got to get into this. I got to get into. This. Next, thing you know, I'm vibing in the Subducks community, and then they start talking about uh, a project called Thingdoms. I'm like, what, what, let me check this out. I, look, I check out Thingdoms. Dude, I have never seen a community more live and popping than Thingdoms. Like, I, I love it, dude. I love it. So, yeah, man, like, it was it was uh, the whole graphic designing. Like I said, graphic designing tied everything together. Because I, I saw the artwork and NFTs, and I was like, what is this? How can I get into this? I, I, I You know what I mean? And, like... I'm not gonna lie, bro. Like I saw, oh, this is something that I can get into. Like it clicked in my head. I'm like, yes, this is an avenue that I can get into. I got into it, and you know what I mean. Like, unfortunately, you guys know how I am. I'm I'm loud and I'm obnoxious, so you know I try to get in there where I can go and shimmy my way in. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Um, so zooming out a little bit, given you've kind of found NFTs seems like it matches well with like the streetwear stuff that used to be happening the graphic design that you love um where do you see this all going like five years ten years and then also is there anything that you're doing that we should keep our eyes out for <clears throat> where do i see nfts i see nfts being the next email and the reason why I say that is because 
when the internet was around, there was this thing called the email, right? This thing called the email. If I told you at the time, hey, I can send an email out, you would look at me like, why would I send an email? I have this thing called a pager. I have a thing called a beeper. I have a thing called a payphone. I don't need an email. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And look where yeah. we're at now. Is there any pagers? Is there any beepers? Is there any payphone? They literally took the last payphone out of New York City the other day. Like that technology is no longer useful anymore. You know what I'm Literally saying? Like gone. we, yeah, it's gone. It is gone. And I feel that NFTs is just like emails. People are looking at NFTs like that. Like, why do we? Why? Why? Why do we need NFTs? I have collectible cards right here. Why do we need NFTs? I have the deed to my house right here. Why do we need NFTs? I have this. Oh, you'll see. You'll see. The fraudulent, like all these, like it's sad, dude. Like me being a graphic designer, I can whip up fake documents in a heartbeat, man. I can make mm-hmm. up fake documents in a heartbeat. And like with, you know, when it's on a chain block, you can't do that. You can't do that, man. I can see house deeds. I can really see big important documents on the chain block or blockchain, yeah. you know, like, and I, I honestly think so. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's all confirmable too. Um, yeah, it is. It is. So, um, with that being said, uh, crypto is only going to go up because it piggybacks. It goes hand in hand in order to buy NFTs. You got to have crypto in order. You know what I'm saying? So I, it, it's just going to go in circles and I think it's just going to, you know, wrap around with each other. Yeah. I have a very similar perspective. Um, and final question, is there anything we should be keeping our eyes out from you? Are you doing anything, making anything, thinking of making about anything? thinking of making anything (laughs) man dude the possibilities for me are endless man um i i I make things on on a whim you know sometimes uh, i'm just like look at something and i just i'm like oh what like i'll i'll be shopping with my kids and i'll see a toy that's specifically for them and then i'll see something like oh how can i you know add to this man so um I'm trying to get a 3D printer. I, I, you know, I got one, but I wasn't happy with it. I had to send it back. So I'm getting another, I'm trying to get my hands on another 3D printer. Um, I'm trying to make some figurines and all that fun stuff. Um, I'm getting, I'm going to start making some more custom shoes, you know, and by the way, also the custom shoes that was, uh, one in the giveaway, those will be shipped out Sunday. So Sunday, those are being shipped out. They're going out to the winter, Nick, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to Nick. Appreciate you. Um, yeah, so those are going out Sunday. They're done. You know what I mean? So I'm going to ship those bad boys out. I had a couple other things that I, I'm waiting to ship out. So I'm just waiting for finishing up, tidying up my other things so I can ship out everything together. Um, yeah, uh, dude, I'm going to be dropping a website pretty soon called Mixed Out Prints, man. I'm going to be able to make um, custom NFT uh, gear. So um, yeah. keep an eye out on that. I'll let you guys know when, so when it's all said and done. So you'll be able to order, you know, croc giblets or charms, you know, custom T-shirts. Um, I'm trying to see, you know, so all my connections that I had when I was, you know, working on Fairfax and Melrose, I'm trying to bring them over here with me in the NFT world. I'm tired of seeing blue chips printed on staple quality t-shirts, staple quality. <laughs> I, I'm tired of it, bro. I'm tired of it. I don't understand it. There's blue chips that are worth half a million dollars and they're printed on stuff that looks like you got out of staples. I hate it, man. So with that, with that being said, bro, yeah, I'm taking all my um, connections that I had in streetwear and I'm gonna bring them over with me and you know try to you know get some custom uh, NFT stuff done. I hope you enjoyed that interview. If you'd like to connect with your fave white max, you can find them on Twitter at your fave white max. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can also find me on Twitter at it's Luca WM. 
I'd like to extend a huge thank you to your fave white mechs for joining me on the show today and sharing their story. I learned an immense amount. And, as per usual, thank you to this entire community. None of this is possible without you. If you have a name of a person that you'd like to see on this show, DM me on Twitter or on Discord. I'd love to hear your perspective. As always, do good things, stay thingy, and I'll see you next week.